Welcome to the Spark Youth Podcast. Spark is the youth ministry of the Enfield and Strathfield Anglican Church. Our mission is to gather to hear God's word, to grow in Christ's likeness, and to go in prayerful proclamation. To find out more about us, you can go to our website at fields.org.au forward slash spark, or you can find us on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash youth underscore of underscore spark. I wanted to start by by suggesting that small decisions can have big consequences. Um, It's easy to look back on your past and see how big decisions have changed your life. Most of us have changed school at some point in our lives, and we all know how many different things that this can affect in our lives. I remember when my parents got divorced, everything changed. We sold our house. We moved city out to the country to Orange. I lost almost all the friends I had in Sydney. And I came to a town where I knew no one. And it took a long time before I could make friends with anyone in that town. So we know big decisions um, can have big consequences, but what's harder to do is to look back and realize how all the small everyday decisions have impacted you. Studies show that the average person makes roughly 35,000 decisions every single day. Psychologist, Eva Krokow said, assuming that most people spend about seven hours per day sleeping, that makes roughly 2,000 decisions per hour or one decision every two seconds. Now, most people give a lot of thought to making big decisions, but how many of us give much thought to the 2,000 decisions we make every hour? Now, you may think of these lesser choices that these, many of these lesser choices don't have much impact on you. For example, does binge watching one more episode of that Korean drama or that anime movie or one more hour of YouTube at night have all that much impact on you? And that's assuming, when we, when we think that way, we're assuming that that decision is an isolated one. But when we think about it, it isn't. Uh, it also assumes your everyday decisions don't matter much, which if we think about it more, they actually do. Think about it this way, just thinking about that, that idea. Um, Going to the gym once won't matter, but if we follow through that decision twice a week for several months, it'll make a huge difference. And thinking about, you know, staying up late at night. Now, I'm a big sucker for watching a TV show on my phone when I get to bed or something like that. Researchers in the scientific journal called Nature tracked the sleeping habits of a group of over 500 students and discovered that heading to bed just 30 minutes later than usual resulted in a higher resting heart rate the next day. So spending that extra 20 or so minutes on Instagram or YouTube hardly feels like a big decision or a risk on your health, but actually it can be. Now, thinking about decisions, suppose we have the top of the roof of a house. Now, right behind me, I've got this um, massive building here. I don't know if you can see that with the roof, right? Now, say we've got a ball and that ball starts running along the roof of that house. Eventually, at some point along there, it's going to either go down to the left, say into the courtyard or the right onto the street, right? Eventually completely altering the destination or the, or the final location of that tennis ball. And this is what decisions can do. They can actually completely determine the outcome of major things in your life, even your whole life. There's a great quote by um, a guy that says, our lives are the sum total of the choices we have made. Um, so what kind of life are your everyday decisions making. Every action, movement, decision that we make in our life, no matter how small, will consequently affect the way other things unfold. For every little decision, 
there are consequences that happen. I remember uh, at school, um, I was after our math exam, which I don't think went very well, me and my friend Johnny Mark got into his parents' BMW and we went for a drive out in Mount Canobolis around, around the mountain there. And I remember like, as we were going around the corners, you know, the car started sliding out. And I kept saying, um, Johnny, like, you can't speed up around the corners. He said, I'm, I've been watching this, you know, um, racing, these racing cars and they accelerate around the corners. And I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Slow down. He didn't slow down. And, you know, two, two, another two more of those corners, then there was a cliff face and it's almost as if we didn't turn at all. Car went straight into the cliff face, went up on the, its side, twirled around on the other side, right, is the drop, was the drop off the mountain. We spun towards the edge, almost hit the edge, flipped back onto the road. Johnny Mars' glasses were like this. And I look at Johnny and say, we've got to, we got to get out, man. This car could explode because I've seen a lot of movies. Um, so I pull him out. Car doesn't explode. But when, like the, the, the wheels are bent under, right? The, the side is crunched up. Like it is a miracle that we have survived, right? That one small decision could have led to Johnny and I dying that day. Our, our habits and our decisions can actually impact our destiny. Or as one writer put it, there is a choice you have to make in everything you do. So keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make makes you. And that choice can impact your destiny. Another writer put it, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. I am what I am today because of the choices I made yesterday. The decisions you make today determine who you will be tomorrow and for eternity. So it's essential then not to allow our life to develop on automatic on pilot, autopilot. Instead, we need to think more carefully about the decisions we make and the consequences they bring. And the Psalms, I think, are a key to making wise decisions. In Psalm 1.1, it begins to describe the blessed man or woman. To be blessed means to be in a right relationship with God, to experience and enjoy life as God, our creator, intended it to be. In this life and in the life to come, the Psalms could be understood as a key to the blessed life. In this sense, the Psalms are like buried treasure. Jesus tells of a man who sells everything, everything he has to find the pearl of great price. He was talking about his kingdom and having a relationship with God. The Psalms likewise lead us to a right relationship with God and to the blessed life. The Psalms are in fact made up of five books and it begins and ends um, the first book with the theme of blessing. Even when life doesn't seem to be going your way, you can still be blessed. The Psalms can help us have a blessed life by helping us make wise decisions. So how can we ensure our life is blessed by God? Well, firstly, and if you're following along, the talk outline is on the, the handout that, you, um, that was loaded up before in the chat. Choose your friends wisely. Secondly, um, choose your friends wisely. Verse one says, blessed is um, the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the scoffers, nor sits in the seat of, scoff um, of scoffers. Um, wicked, sinners, scoffers are three words to describe someone who is far from God. In fact, they are someone opposed to God in their hearts. 
here we have a downward, downward spiral where someone settles into sin in three stages. First, he walks, then he stops and, um, and stands and finally sits down. In other words, first, he's influenced by sinners. You start listening to the kind of people you know you shouldn't be listening to at school. You know they aren't a great group because you know you wouldn't want your parents hearing how they talked. You start looking up to the popular non-Christian kids at school for the wrong reasons. So you spend more and more time with a questionable friend or group. So first you're influenced by your friends. Then you stand with them, which just means you identify with them. The word way refers to a lifestyle, a path you follow through life. Their sinful lifestyle becomes your lifestyle. Their attitude becomes your attitude. Their habits become your habits. And as we heard before, your habits produce a destiny. Back when I was younger, I watched a lot of sitcom uh, where they had um, paid laughter, where the live audience would laugh every time the laughter sign was lit. It was called a laugh track and it gradually influenced you as you watched to laugh along with the same things. In a way, we all have an internal laugh track that is influenced by our friends and by what we watch and what we listen to. Uh, my friends at school um, said it was their goal to, to sleep around. That's what they talked about. And so it's what we talked most highly about. And so that became part of my goal as well, because that's what my friends valued. So secondarily, we identify with, our, with the wrong kind of people. Finally, verse one says, you mock those who live God's way. Scoffers are funny. They'll make you laugh as you turn away from God. They tell jokes that make you think it's okay to laugh about those things you used to think were wrong. They want to make you feel stupid for trying to follow God. And if you listen to them long enough, you walk in their counsel, you take your stand with them, and then you'll become like them. I remember when um, I was at in, in, um, in high school, I remember mocking Christians because one of them had a, brought a Bible to camp right? I became a scoffer because that was what my friends were like. Sin will take you from bad to worse. There's a famous quote about the idea that you can become the ad, um, famous idea about the fact that you can, but be, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Who you choose as your friends at school uh, and in life are, is one of the most important decisions you can make. I remember in primary school, my friend, uh, Stephen, was a really bad influence on me. He used to swear at his mum and watch really inappropriate stuff. So for the first time I heard most of these swear words was through him. Um, his d disrespect for his parents rubbed off on me. And I, after watching a, a movie, a really bad R-rated movie, I started swearing. And I didn't stop swearing and telling foul jokes pretty much till I became a Christian. And even then for some time after that, it had a huge influence on me. Similarly in high school, I remember, you know, my, we used to um, like jump into like movie theaters illegally. We used to take cars out when we weren't, when I wasn't on my um, L's or, um, or I couldn't, didn't have a driver's license. We used to steal things from shops, right? Because that's what my friends were like. Now, at this point, you might be feeling kind of hopeless. Why? Because we've all been influenced by the wrong kind of people. And if we're honest, you and I will admit that we do listen to the counsel of the wicked all too often. We have stood with sinners. We have laughed and made fun of someone who is obeying God. To say it another way, you and I are sinners. In fact, from Adam till now, only one man has lived up to Psalm 1 verse 1, a man who visited Israel and reading um, and reading and explaining someone. Um, yeah, 
Uh, only one man has lived up to someone. And I, I want to tell you about that person. Now, there's a story. A man was visiting Israel and reading and explaining Psalm 1 to a bunch of Jews. And then he asked the question, who is the blessed man of whom the psalmist speaks? Who has never sinned? He said, was it Abraham? Someone said, no, it's not Abraham. He lied about his wife. Well, how about Moses? No, he killed a man, came the reply. Well, how about King David? No, he committed murder and adultery. There was silence. Then an elderly Jew rose and said, my brothers, I have a little book here. It's called the New Testament. I have been reading it. And I, if I could believe this book, if I could be sure that it's true, I would say that the man of the first psalm was Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is the only truly blessed man who never sinned. He's only, the only truly blessed man who, who prospered by delighting in God's law. And the good news of the gospel is that the blessing of Psalm 1 becomes ours through Jesus' obedience. We receive Jesus' blessing before God when we trust in Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he, God, made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God gives us Jesus' righteousness. His obedience is counted as ours. Therefore, all the blessings of Psalm 1 are ours as well. It goes on to talk about, you know, being planted like a stream next to to river, like a life-giving source. All all their way prospers. You know, they they don't wither. Um, All of these promises become ours uh, and ultimately life eternal through Jesus. Because if we trust in Jesus, Jesus' obedience becomes ours. Not only so, but if the spirit of Christ is living in us, Christ himself will help us to turn away from sin, delight in his word and meditate on his word. To live out Psalm 1, we need to become like Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit gives us the strength to choose the right kind of friends. The spirit gives us the strength to meditate on God's word and to delight on it. It gives us the strength to be able to prosper and to bear fruit of joy and peace and patience and kindness, even when in our life things are difficult, things that the situation is disappointing. We might be sick, we might be suffering, our friends might betray us. But we can still be blessed through that Jesus and through his spirit, enabling us to obey God and to delight in his God word, God's word. So then, so that we can be assured that that we um, are able to, to live a truly blessed life, having had faith in Jesus. Well, where does that bring us? It means we need to, like the psalm says, we need to delight in God's word and we need to meditate on God's, God's word because it is God's word that gives life, right? Um, it's, it's God's word that reminds us of God's love for us on the cross. Why do we sin? Because we have the wrong view about God. We think that God isn't good, that he doesn't want good for us, that we should do what we think is best, that God is cold, distant, and an angry person, a fist in the sky that we could never please. But in God's word, we're reminded that God is good, that he wants good for us. The Bible says God gives us everything for our enjoyment and that he sent Jesus to die for us, even though we were his enemies. As we saw before, through Jesus, God actually sees us as if we were his own son. For us who trust Jesus, our sin doesn't cause us to God to distance himself from us. It causes him to come closer to us. Like a child with a disease or a wound, he longs to see us mended and to take care of us. And another reason we sin is because we, 
we love sin more than we love God. So here God wants us to delight in his law. In other words, we need both head and heart. We need to meditate on God's word and we need to delight on God's word as we reflect on it. And we need to put it into practice. So we want to meditate on and delight in God's word. What do we do? Well, here are some practical steps. One, read it every morning. Then you can take a verse or theme from that passage and keep bringing it to mind throughout the rest of the day. Two, finish your day with giving thanks. This is another way of returning the glory for all that God has done in your life back to him. Three, add scripture to your prayers. Pray um, what stood out to you from your Bible reading. I've been saving um, these passages on my phone so I can pray them each week. Four, write verses on post-it notes or on your phone lock screen. You can stick them around your room or have them on your phone so you think of them whenever you look. I used to put verses all around my first car with a big evangelistic verse in front of the passenger seat to help my non-Christian friends memorize scripture too. I know the Bible app has a verse a day where you can save a verse as your lock lock screen. That's what I used to do. Fifthly, sing Christian music. 50 of the Psalms are songs written to the director of music. They were meant to be sung so we can memorize God's word. In Ephesians, Paul says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs giving thanks to God. I have found that the last song I listen to in the morning, I randomly start singing at other times throughout the day. People probably think I'm crazy. So start the day with a good Christian song. It engages the heart in a way that reading sometimes can't, which helps us to delight on God's word throughout the day. And finally, memorize scripture. I've been doing this with my daughter, Lydia. We sometimes memorize chapters of scripture, the scriptures or of a psalm together. It's not hard. Just read a verse or a chapter each day for a period of time and try and remember it later in the day. You can even get um, Bible memorization apps that help. As we do this, it will help us to choose who we serve wisely. And, and just briefly, if we were to look at Psalm 2, it sets out two kings. There's the kings of this world who take their stand against God and his anointed. And there's God's anointed who God will, will set above all those other kingdoms and to whom everyone will need to give allegiance. Depending on how you respond to this king will determine your destiny, will determine your eternity. And so if I was to ask you today, or last week, to humbly um, think about the last month, how you've thought, the decisions you've made, whose kingdom would they have served? Would I, If I watched your last month, would I conclude that your words, your decisions, were there to serve your kingdom, the kingdom of self, the kingdom of entitlement? Or would I hear a person, would I hear a person who's quick to criticize, quick to judge, quick to follow their non-Christian friends, quick to laugh at things God doesn't love um, and enjoy those things, quick to condemn, quick to mock other, other Christians following God? Or would your words be and your actions and your decisions reflect someone who is making Jesus the number one person in their life that, that delights in God's word, that follows God's way? that uses their words to love and encourage others for the kingdom, to share the gospel with others. Would I put down, they love God above everything else? Would I, would I write down, they, they, they love their neighbor above everything else, that they delight in God's word? 
Well, it's not me you have to worry about. It's God. God sees the heart. It's not enough to have head knowledge. You need to have a heart that delights in God's word and that loves him too. So let, let me remind you, just like me and Johnny Ma, we were in that car and one decision right, could have sent us off that cliff and determined our, our eternity. I didn't know, even know Jesus at that point. right? So what you do in your little decisions this week and this month can determine your eternity. So let's, let's pray that those decisions ultimately lead you to delighting in God's law, to delighting in God's word and to loving God's son.